0: Today's episode is brought to you by Romer Skincare. Based out of Chicago, Romer launched a work from home clean skincare line that covers all your skin needs. They proved that you don't need a million serums and eye creams to get better skin. Why we love them. Clean ingredients and effective results with just a simple three-step routine that you and even your partner can share.
1: Romer Skincare is offering our listeners 15% off and a gift with your first purchase by using code LISTENER15 on their website, romerskincare.com. That's R-O-M-E-R skincare.com. No stress, no clutter, just happy skin.
0: And welcome to Old Crime, where we discuss the funny, strange, and obscure crimes of yesteryear. I'm your host, Lindsay Valenti, and with me, as always, is my sister and co-host, Maddie Stangle. Hello, hi. How's it going? Good. Welcome to our first episode
1: of 2021. I feel like I'm just waiting <laughs> for the ball to drop.
0: I know. I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. I know. And then for them to be like, watch out, there's a horde of angry yetis that are going to come and dismember your family. (laughs) Right. Remember murder hornets? Now it's murder yetis.
1: Right. Like a nuclear winter is headed our way or some shit. Yeah. Everybody's like, 2020 was in the past. Everything will be so much better in 2021. I'm like, I feel like things didn't get better till 1921. (laughs) Uh For the 1918 pandemic. so Don't count your
0: chickens, folks.
1: I'm just, you know, it's okay to be hopeful, but like, don't be ignorantly hopeful and continue to like, not use masks or wash your hands or decide that in the new year, you can suddenly be social again and spread super gonorrhea. Just be, be be careful. We love you.
0: <laughs> Stay inside. So we're going to start 2021 as if it's still 2020 by talking about a very dark subject called the Black Hole of Calcutta.
1: I am like super intrigued, but also mildly
0: horrified. As you should be.
1: I don't know if I want to know, but I don't
0: have a choice. <laughs> You're stuck here. Sorry. It's better than cannibalism. This is much, true. But. This is true. Alright. So information for this episode was pulled from the following sources. A twenty nineteen Thought Co. article by Kali Chapansky, a two thousand six History Today article by Richard Cavendish. This is a really long ebook called A Genuine Narrative of the Deplorable Deaths of the English Gentlemen and Others Who Were Suffocated in the Black Hole. Wow. Spoiler alert. So Yeah. That's a horrible death. Yep. Cool. Great. Atlas Obscura. Britannica.com, the Library.com, and Wikipedia. Okay. And links to all these articles will be included in the show notes.
1: Here's your ne- next book report, kids. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Have fun reading.
1: You'll get an A for agonizingly
0: sad. The, uh... Pretty much. So the Black Hole of Calcutta, which is in modern-day Kolkata, West Bengal, is one of the worst atrocities to ever happen in India. And this horrifying event would be the final straw that broke Great Britain's back as they made their bid to conquer the subcontinent.
1: Oh, great. So it just made them angrier and wa- wanting to conquer more?
0: Yes. So like many other nations and in some cases, continents of the world, India was a coveted area for Great Britain in the 17th century as they sought, as they sought to expand their empire and trade routes for the East India Company.
1: You know, it's really funny that they fought for spices that they never used in their foods.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: It's too spicy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But they needed needed to have it before the French could get it.
1: Yep, and the Spanish, and the Portuguese. eh? In
0: 1613, Juhangir, the fourth Mughal emperor of India who ruled between 1605 and 1627, signed a treaty with the East India Company that secured trade with them in the area of Calcutta. At that time, even though East India Company was a commercial venture for the British Empire, they took up semi-governmental roles in the area of Calcutta, where they built their factories, fortresses, and trading posts.
1: Oh, yeah, that's dangerous, Having, giving them that much power.
0: Yeah. Additionally, they minted money, forged diplomatic relationships, and commanded private armies. Oh,
1: great. And they're, oh, no, it's okay. They're just a private company that just yep. have to be British. Yeah,
0: okay. We're just a bunch of privateers. We're not
1: doing anything. We're just creating a military. (laughs) It's fine. In a fortress so you can't get in. Like, just just buying and selling stuff. No big deal. (laughs) Yeah.
0: During the 1600s, Britain and France were competing commercially in India. So after establishing a port and trading post at Calcutta in 1690, the British built Fort William in order to guard and defend it against the French. I don't think you need to worry about just the French, but sure. Yep. And also, like,
1: Fort William is not a threatening name. No. I'm just gonna <laughs> Because, like, Willie, my dog. <laughs> Fort Wheelie. <laughs> like,
0: no. Yeah. Built in 1696, Fort William was constructed under the order of Sir John Goldsboro after he received permission from the Mughal Emperor Al-Rangzeb, the sixth Mughal Emperor, and the most prominent ruler of India for 49 years. Fun fact, he was a zealous Muslim who hated Hindus with a passion.
1: Great! Ooh, We love an internal conflict, don't we? Yes. Right, Catholics and Lutherans? (laughs) Am I right? Methodists just like eating food. We were one of them. Yes. Can confirm. Go Methodists and casseroles.
0: So, led by Sir Charles Ear, the construction of the fort took 10 years to complete, and the fort itself was named after King William III, who was the reigning British monarch at the time in 1700. Okay. Enter Siraj al-Dalla, who assumed the mantle of Nawab of Murshidabad, Bengal, in 1756, following the death of his granduncle Ali Vardi Khan, a Nawab or Nawab is basically a Muslim nobleman or governor, for those of you like me who had no idea what that meant.
1: Right. <laughs> I totally know what that means. And <laughs> that's common knowledge. They teach us that in school. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Like they teach us anything relevant for any other religion. Sorry. Sorry. Keep going.
0: <laughs> it's like totally decimating like all of English
1: culture. It's fine.
0: Well, Siraj understandably was not cool with the English and their influence in his province, so he decided to do something about it.
1: What? He didn't like people who were different than him? Not just the Hindus? What?
0: After the governor of Calcutta refused to stop the fortification work that was being done on Fort Williams in anticipation of what would become the Seven Years' War of 1756 through 1763, <laughs> Siraj marched on Calcutta with an army of 50,000 men, 500 elephants, and 50 cannons.
1: Is it messed up that I feel worse for the elephants? No. Because, like, they're a peaceful, they're a pretty peaceful beast. Like, mm-hmm. they only attack you if you attack them first.
0: And they're extremely intelligent, too. And they brought them into battle. Like, I, like anytime I see, like, period people period
1: war pieces where like the horses die I'm like why did you do that they didn't do anything they loved you and just wanted to eat twigs
0: and hang out Siraj and his forces arrived in the outlying areas of Calcutta on June 16th 1756 quickly mowing down any and all resistance
1: wow yeah I bet because they weren't prepared yeah it was basically an ambush right
0: so the governor of Calcutta, his staff, and the British residents of the city ran for the ships in the harbor while leaving many women and children behind, as well as a small garrison of 170 English soldiers under the command of John Zephania Hallwell, who wasn't even militarily trained. Of course not. He was the company's zemindar. Basically, he collected taxes and maintained law and order in the fort, and he was trained as a military surgeon.
1: Yeah, he was woefully underprepared for this. Yeah. I feel really bad for the women and children.
0: Yeah. So Fort William had two mortars, aka cannons, but the bulk of the gunpowder needed to fire them was too damp to use, and the grape shot they would have used for ammunition had been compromised by worms that had slowly eaten it while it was in storage. Oh, shit. So for those of you that don't know what grape shot is, because I didn't. I don't know. You know, like that Bullet Bill character from Mario He's like a yes. big bullet. Yeah. Think of that guy, but full of a bunch of tiny cannonballs that will explode like buckshot upon impact. That's what Grape Shot is.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. That would be awful.
0: Yeah, it's horrifying. Oh,
1: my God. No.
0: After three days of intense fighting, the British forces at Fort William surrendered on Sunday, June 20th, 1756. As I mentioned, Hallwell had zero military experience, and he thought that surrendering the fort would be the end of it. Unfortunately for Hallwell, he couldn't have been more wrong.
1: Oh, honey. Oh, no. Oh, you can't think that people who attack you just randomly with, what was it, 500 elephants? Yeah. Is just going to be like, thanks for letting us win. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> like they didn't care if the women and children got out yeah yeah they're not going to care about you buddy i'm sorry
0: after siraj assumed control of the fort and renamed it Alinagar, he met with and he assured him quote on the word of a soldier end quote that no harm would come to the british 146 british prisoners including hallwell two women and several wounded soldiers were then stripped naked before being herded at sword point into the fort's "quote unquote" black hole at 8 p.m., which was a s- small cell that was intended for minor offenders. And when I say small cell, this cell measured a measly 18 feet by 14 feet 10 inches, or five and a half by five and a half meters, and had two small windows. As you can imagine, being India, it was hot. Yeah, isn't it usually like a dry heat too? No, no. In June, it's typically the start of the monsoon season and one of the hottest, most humid months of the year, with average temperatures of 95 degrees Fahrenheit or 35 degrees Celsius.
1: Oh, fuck. And with the humidity, who knows, like, how hot it actually was. Yeah. Oh, no. Over, like, almost 150 people?
0: Yeah, almost 150 people. Okay. Okay. Most prisoners passed out from dehydration and were crushed under the weight of others trying to gain access to the windows and fresh air. The rest fought over the small amount of water they'd been given, in addition to screaming and begging the guards for mercy.
1: And this was in the ground, right? Like a a pit? It was
0: like a pit with a top over it.
1: Okay. So so kind of like a...
0: Well, it'd be... I just think of the Ninja
1: Turtles. (laughs) Like a
0: little... So it was like built... It was a solid, like, square-ish cell that was built in the ground. Okay. So it was like in the side of a hill type thing. Okay. So Hallwell, who, spoiler alert, survived the ordeal. Oh, no. He wrote about the conditions in the cell and the horrors that he and the rest of the prisoners suffered in a lengthy piece, which I quoted above, entitled, A Genuine Narrative of the Deplorable Deaths of the English Gentlemen and Others Who Were Suffocated in the Black Hole. And what I'm going to share with you are a few excerpts. Okay. The dungeon was strongly barred, was a strongly barred room and it was not intended for the confinement of more than two or three men at a time. There were only two windows and a projecting veranda outside and thick iron bars within impeded the ventilation while fires raging in different parts of the fort suggested an atmosphere of further oppressiveness. The prisoners were packed so tightly that the door was difficult to close because the door swung inward instead of outward. Oh,
1: no. Okay.
0: One of the soldiers stationed in the veranda was offered 1,000 rupees to have them removed to a larger room. He went away but returned saying it was impossible. The bribe was then doubled and he made a second attempt with a like result. The Nawab, or Siraj, was asleep and no one dared wake him. By nine o'clock, several people had died. This was an hour later, and many more were delirious. A frantic cry for water now became general, and one of the guards, more compassionate than his fellows, caused some water to be brought to the bars, where Mr. Hallwell and two or three others received it in their hats and passed it on to the men behind. In their impatience to secure it, nearly all was spilled, and the little they drank seemed only to increase their thirst. Mm. Self control was soon lost. Those in remote parts of the room struggled to reach the window, and a fearful tumult ensued, in which the weakest were trampled or pressed to death. They raved, fought, prayed, blasphemed, and many then fell exhausted on the floor, where suffocation put an end to their torments. About 11 o'clock, the prisoners began to drop fast. And that's the end of the excerpt. Mm-hmm. By six the next morning, when the door was finally unlocked, Corpses were piled up everywhere, with only 23 of the 146 prisoners surviving the night. A pit was dug for the dead before the bodies were quickly dumped.
1: Well, at least they took care of the bodies right away. Like, I, that's that's surprising to me that they would even care enough to do that.
0: So, side note, modern scholars believe that these numbers were exaggerated and that it is more likely that 64 to 69 prisoners were put in the cell, of which 21 survived. Even with that reduction in number, it's still awful. Yep. (laughs) But not as horrific as it was purported to be. And it was noted by D.L. Pryor, who was Hallwell's biographer, that 43 of the Fort William men were listed as missing or dead for reasons that weren't because of suffocation or shock. So they were probably killed in the line of duty. Hmm. The story that they were all naked has also been exaggerated as all of the prisoners were fully clothed, which makes it that much worse because they would have had yeah. all that extra fabric adding to the heat. Yep. Yeah, that does make it worse. So before you start demanding his blood, Siraj didn't order or know about the imprisonment of the prisoners. Really? Yes. The surviving prisoners, with the exception of Hallwell and three other men who were taken as prisoners of war, were freed on Siraj's orders after hearing about the suffering that they had endured at the hands of his men. When news of this incident reached the British stationed in Madras in August of 1756, retaliation came swiftly. Lieutenant Colonel Robert Clive took his troops along with a group of local Indian allies and retook Fort William and Calcutta in January of 1757. As for Siraj, he was defeated and overthrown as Nawab at the Battle of on June 23rd, 1757, by the British, even though he boasted larger numbers with his fellow Bengals and French allies. Lieutenant Clive's forces of 3,000 men took down Siraj's force of 50,000. Whoa. Siraj fled to Murshidabad, where he was executed by his own people before his body was tossed into the river.
1: Yeah. I mean... During, during that time and actually during times of war, the leader would usually be the one, like the reason that they failed. So that makes sense that like they would just kill him because they fa- he failed and got so many others killed. Yeah. And technically started it.
0: Yeah. Anger at what had befallen their fellow citizens swayed the British people into wanting imperial control over India. Which started a bid that would see the nation under crown rule for 190 years until 1947.
1: Wow! So if he wouldn't have started it, that that initial time, they might they might not have had imperial rule. Correct. But who's to really say? I mean, if the British wanted that, they would have still sought it out. Yep. By some means, because that was their goal initially. You
0: mm-hmm. know. Well, and you would think, considering. They did take part in the Seven Years' War against the French in India, that it was probably their plan all along to colonize.
1: Yeah, because it, it it would always be a threat unless they colonized them. Yes. And it was too much of a cash cow.
0: Yeah. In regards to the black hole itself, it was no longer utilized as a place to hold prisoners of war and was decommissioned. Instead, it was converted to a warehouse to store munitions for the preceding Seven Years' War, and other skirmishes that would follow.
1: Wouldn't it be dangerous still, though, to have all of those munitions in a hot, damp, dark space? You would think so, but... like I'm glad nothing happened, but like... I don't know.
0: Totally. <laughs> I'm under the impression that regardless of where you would have been in India at that time, storing things that were not stored, it would be very hard to not store things in a hot, damp place.
1: Yeah. I suppose, especially during monsoon season.
0: Yeah. That makes sense. A monument commemorating the British soldiers and civilians who died during the incident was erected in Fort William in 1901 at the original site of the black hole before it was moved in 1940 to St. John's Church, which is pretty close to where the fort was. And still is. Mm -hmm. What follows is a list, according to Hallwell, of the victims that passed in the black hole and those that survived. Quote, of counsel, E. Air Esquire, William Bailey Esquire, and the Reverend Gervais Bellamy. Gentlemen in service, Messrs. Jenks, Reveille, Law, Coles, Valacourt, Jeb, Toriano, E. Page, S. Page, Grubb, Street, Herod, P. Johnstone, Ballard, N. Drake, Carse, Napton, Gosling, Robert Bing, Dodd, Dalrymple, V. Ament, Theme, Military Captains, Clayton, Buchanan, and Witherington, Lieutenants, Bishop, Ifeys, Blagg, Simpson, and Bellamy, Ensigns, Packard, Scott, Hastings, C. Wedderburn, and Dumbleton. Dumbleton, what a name. Right. Sergeants and Company, Sergeant Major Abraham, Quartermaster Cartwright, and Sergeant Blue. Sea Captains, Hunt, Osborne, Purnell. It is noted that he survived the night, but he died in the morning.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's a bummer.
0: Messrs. Carey, Stevenson, Guy, Porter, W. Parker, Calker, Bendel, Atkinson, Leach, and there are a couple that he didn't list. And the list of the men and women who survived their imprisonment in the black hole include Messrs. Hallwell, Secretary Cook, Court, Lushington, Burdett, Ensign Walcott, Mrs. Carey, Captain Mills, Captain Dixon, Mr. Moran, John Meadows, and 12 military and militia, which include in blacks and whites. But of course, their names couldn't be included.
1: Oh, yeah. No, screw them. What were they defending? Their their
0: people? Ugh, gross. No one needs to know who they are. Nope. Awesome. And to close out the story, to go on a bit of a tangent, even <laughs> though this was a real event and people did die, there are many who believe that the Black Hole of Calcutta was a scam that was inflated by Hallwell and others in the British Empire to justify Colonizing India to push out the French and their trade influence on the nation. I
1: mean, we've heard it before. Yeah. As as much as I don't want to say it, history has shown that wars have been started for much less. Yeah. So as much as I I I mean, I'd like to believe that it didn't happen because it sounds really horrible. Mm-hmm. But at the same time,
0: it could have very it could have very well happened. Yeah, I just I just can't see someone blatantly saying that a large number of people died and naming them by name. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You know what I mean? Like, I just can't see that being a thing. Yeah. That would take balls to do that. Yep. So.
1: But as people who are like that high up in leadership known for conquering And taking over stuff for less. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I can see it. I can. I can also see it as being like an excuse, like something much more, much more minor happened. Yeah. And I'm still blaming it.
0: Like I'm in agreement with the scholars who believe that the number was much less Mm -hmm. and that it was inflated to um, to justify To justify and sort of rally people behind it, like, oh my God, all these people were shoved into this room. We have to retaliate because they're savages. Yeah, you know, like, yep.
1: I mean, that's that. That's what they were doing for years, like with the Native Americans in America. You Mm -hmm. know, like the first people of America. They said that they were savages and Mm -hmm. terrible, and used that as an excuse. And even though we separated, uh, we perpetuated that idea too. Yep. Um, Why people. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we like to cause all the shit. Super fun.
1: Welcome. Hey everyone, I'm Michelle. And I'm Tom. And we are Apocalypse in Review. We're a comedic podcast that rates and reviews movies in the apocalypse genre.
0: We run a synopsis, play some games and also have commentary from us watching the movie.
1: (gasps) Dun, dun, dun. Ah, he did. If you enjoy movies and lighthearted podcasts, come check us out on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks for listening.
0: So this week's podcast plug. LOL. (laughs) LOL. To transition to something a little bit better is the podcast Apocalypse in Review. Very fitting. Right? I thought so. Yeah, good choice. So Michelle and Tom are a hysterical couple, and they watch apocalyptic movies where they um, will kind of go, they'll read you the synopsis of the film, and they'll go through and critique like what it was about. And they come up with kind of fun games to talk about the game or talk about the movie. Okay. Like they do things like, give eulogies to some of the characters that died in the movie and things like that. Okay. So I was very lucky to guest on their show last year and we discussed the movie Pompeii. Okay. Which was a hot piece of garbage. (sighs) Yeah.
1: Not a defining moment in cinema. No.
0: That's for sure. And I'll include a link to that episode in the show notes because it was really fun and funny to discuss that movie with them. I bet. But. Yeah, if you like to hear about apocalyptic movies, both good and bad, I would highly recommend you check out their podcast. And we will include a link to their podcast in the show notes. Awesome. And this week's question comes from Amanda of the Terrible People Doing Terrible Things podcast. Also (laughs) fitting.
1: Super fitting. (laughs) Yep.
0: If you were reincarnated and had to choose between coming back as a three-legged cow or a two-headed pig, which would you choose and why? Uh, I would choose
1: to be a three-legged cow in India because it would probably symbolize um, some sort of luck and perseverance. And they don't typically eat cows. They worship them. And so I just have like a really cool life, hanging out with my three legs, getting like flowers every now and then and like eating stuff and like
0: getting pets. Because, like, pigs generally have a terrible life no matter what. See, and that's interesting because I would choose to be a two-headed pig because I'd be so weird looking that my chances of being butchered would be highly reduced. (laughs) And I would instead become a bit of, like, a sideshow attraction. Okay. Which I'm okay with being a freak. So (laughs) it would be be kind of fun to see what life like a two-headed pig would be. Yeah. I feel like I'd be kind of like Wilbur, where I'd be some pig, and I would trample to county fairs and be well taken care of. I can see that. And if I was reincarnated today, I would be so famous on Instagram. He would. Ariana
1: Grande would probably adopt you or something.
0: Probably. Or like Matthew McConaughey would want to have me on his ranch or something like that. There you go. Doesn't he have a ranch? I feel like he has a ranch. I don't he know. He
1: probably does.
0: He seems like somebody who would he would be like, all
1: right, all right, all right. I need that two-headed pig. (laughs) I'll put you in my Lincoln. Just got it. I take all of the Lincolns because I am a spokesman.
0: Do you want a Rolex watch, two-headed pig? Sure. I'm going to put one on all of your hooves. (laughs) So you always know what time it is with both heads. (laughs) LOL, you can't read. (laughs) (laughs) I won't put you on trial, I promise. Just don't eat the faces off my babies. Exactly. I'm going to make sure you're fed. Well fed. So you don't try to turn on me and my children.
1: Well, it's interesting that we chose different ones.
0: I know. Funny. All right. What's something good this week that you'd like to share?
1: My something that good this week. So it's 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 kind of a mixed bag actually, because um I will be moving soon, but I will be moving back home. I have a few things that I have to take care of financially that um, makes me not able to live in the cities anymore. But it's all good. Like. It's not a bad thing. One good thing that came out of it was I was actually able to see you and hang out with you for most of a day because uh, you were helping me move my precious, precious plants, and uh, it was really funny because I have (coughs) I have an embarrassingly large amount of plants, and what's funny is it's really not that much, but when you put it all in a Honda Pilot, (laughs) there's there's a lot, and it was just kind of nice because we saw. Mom and dad for a little bit and mom seemed kind of excited to take care of my plants which I thought was kind of cute before I get there. So it's kind of a it's it's one of those things that's like it should be a bummer, but I don't I can't bring myself to think it is because I feel really lucky that I'm able to fall back on someone and save up money so that
0: mm-hmm.
1: I can take care of some medical stuff that I need to take care of have money
0: it. <laughs> you know, well, like, and it's something too. We're like at this point in time because of the pandemic, because you are working remotely, you maybe. it's 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 justified because you don't have to go into the office. You know, like yeah. you're able to take advantage of this time. And
1: yeah, and it's it's something where like I'll definitely have to move back to the cities this summer when we're back in session when we have to go back to work. But it would be really foolish of me to not take advantage of this and use like all of my rent money towards medical expenses. So Mm -hmm. I'm not further, you know, in debt for it. Because fun fact, living with a chronic illness, you can't just like not take care of medical expenses. Yeah. (laughs) It's going to happen forever despite your really awesome insurance. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think as frustrating as it will be, to kind of finish moving and getting everything done, it'll be a good move. Yeah. And it'll be really nice to have a little bit of a break financially. So that's my good thing. I got to see you. Yeah. <laughs> What's your good thing?
0: My good thing is the day that we're recording this, that we're recording this, so January 3rd, my second podcast venture, Pineapple Pizza Podcast, has officially launched. So we have basically like a month's worth of content that all came out today. So you can binge listen to it before we resume normal content next week. So it'll kind of give you a taste of what we're going to be talking about. As we've mentioned on an earlier episode, it's a joint venture between myself, Emily from the Drink Drunk Dead podcast and Ashley of the Studying Scarlet podcast, where we discuss mythology, cryptozoology and urban legends. for um, different areas. So the episodes that all came out on January 3rd cover cases and um, stories from Japan. Nice. And we also each month are going to be having a guest on. So we had Chris from the State of Fear and What the Suck podcasts as yeah. our first guest for January. I highly recommend you check it out. You can find it on pretty much all of the podcasting platforms and the second something good that i wanted to mention is that starting this month we will be releasing two mini episodes where we will have guests from other podcasts on and we will be quizzing them on victorian slang terms to see if they can guess what um What on earth we're talking about? (laughs) Yes. I guess if they can figure, see if they can figure out what the heck these terms meant. So. Awesome. I'm thinking we'll release them on every other Saturday. So that'll give you a little something to snack on a couple times a month as you're waiting for
1: Mm -hmm.
0: our weekly Wednesday episodes to drop.
1: Awesome. Yeah, I think that's
0: great. I think it'll be fun. I've already got some people Lined up, who are interested in doing it and doing it. So cool, that'll be good. Shall we? We shall. You can find us online at yieldcrimepodcast.com. We're also on Twitter at YieldCrimePod and on Instagram at Podcast. You can email us at yieldcrimepodcast at gmail We're here, just mm-hmm. you know, hanging out. We respond to every email we get, so it's true. Don't feel like. You can email us and then we're going to ignore you. We won't ghost you. Gross. Who are you? (laughs) Uh, A great way to support the show that's free would be to leave a five-star rating and review. I would like to start reading some of them on the show. So the first one I am going to read is one that we just received. And this is from Aaron623 on Apple Podcasts. And they say... Making historical crimes interesting. Five stars. I stumbled upon this podcast and it is now one of my favorites. I love learning about historical crime while feeling like I'm talking to my girlfriends and not a history lesson. I 100% recommend if you like to laugh and learn at the same time.
1: That's so nice. Thank you, Erin. That's really nice. That just makes me feel great.
0: If you would like to support the show, we, as of this year, started a new tier on Patreon so you Mm -hmm. can enjoy ad-free content for as low as a dollar a month which is a pretty sweet deal. It is a sweet deal. We also have a buy me a coffee and we have a goal on there for 2021 where we are going to we're trying to raise $500 so we can purchase new audio equipment to further improve your podcast listening experience. Mm Mm-hmm. So if you would like to make a one-time donation to help us achieve that goal, you can do that on Buy Me a Coffee. And lastly, you can purchase merch on our TeePublic. The winner of the contest was Ye Old Crimers for what you guys want to be called. And by the time this episode drops, a new merch design will be live. Awesome. That being said, as always, I'm Lindsay. And I'm Maddie. And we'll see you next time with another tale.
1: As old as crime.